Hello and welcome to the Ambassador Labs podcast, where we explore all things about cloud-native platforms, developer control planes, and developer experience. I'm your host, Daniel Bryant, Head of DevRel here at Ambassador Labs, and today I had the pleasure of sitting down with Alyssa Vilk, Senior Staff Software Engineer at Google and longtime committer into the Envoy Proxy project. Join us for a fantastic discussion on HTTP3, the latest version of the hypertext transfer protocol that is gaining wide adoption on the internet. We cover topics such as what is HTTP3 and the benefits it provides, and explore how Google have rolled this out for internal and external use, including insight into some of the challenges they encountered. We'll also cover how to use Envoy Proxy to get the benefits of HTTP3 in your tech stack, for example, in Ingress. And remember, if you want to dive deeper into the motivation for and benefits of cloud-native platforms, developer control planes, Ingress, and fast feedback when developing on Kubernetes, be sure to check out our free Kubernetes Learning Center. Visit getambassador.io to learn more. Hello, Alyssa, and welcome to the Ambassador Labs podcast. Could you introduce yourself to the listeners, please, and share a little bit about your history with Google and the Envoy community as well? Hey, uh, my name is Alyssa. I've been at Google for 15 years now. I started out on GV team, so working on Google's frontline proxy. I was a server-side lead for Google's launch of HTTP2. I was the Uber tech lead for our launch of HTTP3. And then I switched over to working on Envoy, uh, Lyft's open source proxy, which is now kind of the forefront proxy of cloud. Super. super. And I think you're one of the like top committers in Envoy, if I remember right. Obviously, Matt Klein and team started it, but like, Google and yourself have committed a lot of code there, right? I will, I will say I was really pleased that Matt noticed because I had been tracking it because I'm a big goof, but Matt noticed it out when I passed him. And I was like, yes. Very cool, <laughs> it, right? It is a fantastic project. I've really enjoyed working on it. Yeah, I mean, I've only been sort of part of the peripheral Envoy community, but it's amazing seeing the popularity of the tooling and the fact that it's like the open source as opposed to a commercial sort of backing behind it, I think is, you know, and that was obviously hat tip to Matt and the whole community, but that's just meant that the Envoy proxy community has gone from strength to strength over the years, right? Yeah, yeah, no, I think I think Matt's desire and, and he's really done a good job both building the community and setting it up that anyone can add whatever, like, you know, any code you want to add if Envoy doesn't have your business logic, you can either add it upstream or we'll add an extension point so you can add it in-house if it doesn't make sense to kind of share it with the world. So it, it's really made it the success that, that it is. Perfect. And that leads nicely on, I think, to our main topic of conversation today around HTTP3, because I was super excited when you know, Envoy was going to uh, support this. And I'm guessing some of our listeners may not have heard too much about HTTP3. You know, I think a lot of us, it's the plumbing of the interwebs. We, we, sometimes mm-hmm. we sort of ignore it, but it's actually really important, right? Particularly with many of us building distributed systems, being consumed by the web. Could you give a brief intro of what you understand around the motivations for HTTP3 for our listeners, please. Yeah. So to do that, I'm going to talk a tiny bit about HTTP2. So basically when I started on GFE team, you know, we were, we were implementing HTTP11, which was kind of the way that all of web browsers worked as HTTP11. And our tech lead at the time kept complaining about the fact that, that the RFC, that the, the rules for it had all sorts of holes and weird ways you could do injection attacks. It was really insecure. And we kept saying, look, this is a standard. Like if you want to fix it, you fix it. Uh, and he did. So a couple of years later, Roberto <laughs> Payon came up with the HTTP2 spec, which allows you, one, has a bunch of improved security features, but two, it also really improves uh, latency, which which Google cares a lot about, is making the web fast. So HTTP2 is a huge value add on HTTP1. It sped up web search, it improved YouTube, but it still had this problem where it was putting multiple requests on one connection. And then if you lose one packet on that connection, everything gets stalled until that packet's retransmitted. Uh, and you can't fix that with TCP, which is kind of the foundation of, of how the internet works. So we said, okay, well, we're going to fix that next. And so we basically, HTTP3, I like to think of it as HTTP implemented on top of, of UDP. Like we implement both the HTTP layers, you know, like your headers and body and trailers, mm-hmm. along with the TCP layers, that reliable. And, and then while we did it, we also managed to improve a bunch of things. So like people may or may not be familiar with TCP fast open, which allows you to 
uh, avoid that three-way TCP handshake. Rolling that out on the internet is really hard because <laughs> there's all these legacy hardware that doesn't expect it. And the protocol is supposed to fail over, but sometimes even trying to do it, the middle boxes are like, I don't know what you're sending. I'm going to black hole you. So it just turns out doing new things on the internet is really hard. And by by bypassing TCP entirely, we can roll out a bunch of improvements to congestion control. We can roll improvements to the handshake. And again, HTTP3 is significantly faster than HTTP2. And so it makes the web browsing experience much faster both for kind of your average user, as well as especially good in, in emerging markets, third world countries, where the internet the, is much more lossy. Perfect. That's a perfect. There's a bunch of things I'd love to dive into, particularly the protocol details. That'd be super interesting. But you hinted at the performance games, even with HTTP2. And I saw a fantastic EnvoyCon talk, I think last year, from you and Ryan Hamilton. And you mentioned yep. about, I think, like with HTTP3 already rolled out some parts of the, of the interwebs, they've seen some faster page loads. You, I think it was also reduced buffering on YouTube, was a couple of like examples. Yep. Is that that sort of that's yeah, yeah. Like so the like headline? The canonical way of, of measuring quality on YouTube is how often you stare, we call the spinning wheel of doom internally, how <laughs> yes. often you stare at that spinning wheel while your video is loading, and, and the the time between basically like waiting for your video to load. And so so both of those are improved. We have fewer rebuffers, so, so less time watching that spinning wheel and more time between those rebuffers. And again, faster web search, basically whether or not you're kind of this fast content where you need a really quick response yep. or your uh, streaming content, HTTP3 tends to be much faster than HTTP, than anything on, you know, TCP, HTTP2, HTTP11. Super. And you mentioned emerging markets, which I thought was very interesting there. I'm guessing you're talking about like sort of lossy connections, mobile connections, that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. So the two big wins of HTTP3 are one, the zero round trip handshake. So if you've talked to a server before, you can immediately talk to it again. You don't have to do kind of the TCP three-way handshake. You don't have to do your TLS handshake. You can just say, I've talked to you, here's my safe credentials, and here's my request right away. Very nice. The other big win is again, improved congestion control. So when you lose, when you drop a packet, uh, it recovers from it faster and better than, than TCP does. And then the nice thing also, even with like the latest and greatest TCP, you know, the, the new algorithms on Linux kernel, they take a really long time to roll out. So if you, if you, you know, you toss improvement in Linux kernel, it may be five years, it may be a decade, it may be never that that actually yeah. makes it out to clients. You know, we can update the servers, but you can't update all the clients. So ironically, one of the biggest wins we had for HTTP3, when we rolled it out, it looked amazing. And then we rolled it out for mobile and it looked great. And we're saying, well, wait, why isn't it amazing? It turns out that the, the improvement on desktop was because there were so many old desktop machines that had oh. old versions of Windows that had been updated <laughs> in forever and had like really old outdated versions of TCP that had, you know, didn't have the algorithmic improvements that were done like a decade ago. So because, because Quick it was implemented in user space, even though those operating systems aren't updated, you can still get that faster traffic because it's all done in user space. You can update it with your application or with your browser rollout. That is super interesting because I had no idea about that. And, and I'm also thinking that related technology I'm hearing a lot about at the moment uh, is eBPF in the, like the kernel updates are taking a long time. So once you've got eBPF support, now you can ship stuff in, you know, runs in kernel land. But I hadn't thought about the user space kind of thing there, as in like people running really old Windows machines see improvement yeah. because you're running quick in user space. Exactly. I mean, the cool thing about HTTP3 and having kind of the, the server presence and the client presence that Google has end to end, we had Chrome and we had the GFE, is mm. we could rapid iterate transport in a way that no one else ever could. Nice. And that was one of the reasons I was really excited to add both work on Envoy and add HTTP3 support to Envoy is now other people can iterate end to end. So we've talked to Envoy users who are behind, say, multiple CDNs. Mm. And so the way that you advertise HTTP3 doesn't work. HTTP3, you kind of uh. say, this host name supports HTTP3, right? Yep. But if you have a CDN, maybe one CDN supports it, one doesn't. So you can't do it for the whole hosting. 
So there's proposed improvements to the standard for like, maybe you can advertise it for an IP block, or maybe you can advertise it with a shorter lifetime and having it in Envoy lets people actually experiment with this. Okay, what, what works on the internet? You know, when people are switching back and forth from, you know, different ISPs and mm -hmm. different CDNs, you know, how well does this actually work out? And it, now it isn't just Google that can do it with our yeah. presence. People can do it with Envoy Mobile and Envoy servers, which is really exciting to me. That is super interesting. And there's a bunch of stuff. I'd love to dive in there as well. Um, and I said, just taking a, a step back, you mentioned a bit sort of a few things like congestion control and a few other things. Um, is some of the things you mentioned earlier, is it the classic head of line blocking problem I hear about? It's one of those things like the offside exactly. rule in soccer, right? I'm not 100% sure what it is, but I know it's important. <laughs> and I know exactly, it causes a lot of problems. Exactly. So, so with HTTP2, so you have you know requests one, two, and three on one connection. So you send out response one, response two, response three. They're all buffered in the kernel, ready to go out. They shipped on the wire. You lose a packet for response one. And then response two and response three are held up because TCP won't hand that data up to an application, up to the client application until it has all of those bytes in order. Mm -hmm. With HTTP3, the, the actual transport is aware of these different streams. So we can say, oh, I lost a packet for response one. I'll delay passing response one's body, but I have the full, the full body for response two and response three. So I'll hand them up as soon as I have them. It doesn't have to wait for the entire stream to be reassembled because because it's multiplexed aware. So that ends up being a huge win, especially anywhere there's there's usually about 2% packet loss on average on the internet. So it is something that's encountered everywhere, not just emerging markets. Super interesting. I remember when I was at college, we're getting to all about so, you know, IP is the low layer, then TCP on top, and then mm -hmm. TLS, say, and then HTTP. It's also a bit different with HTTP3, in my understanding, is IP, then UDP, and then quick. Is that correct? Yeah, so it's it's layered that it's that it like we've we've implemented quick and then there's a reliable layer on top of quick and then there's H33 on top of that reliable layer. So there are use cases where you just want the encryption and authentication and you don't need the reliability. Right. But for H33, we use all three layers. Super interesting. So and you're guaranteed to have your, your packets delivered. Sorry, you're guaranteed to have your packets delivered in the order that you sent them. You're guaranteed that you know you'll you'll know whether it gets to the other point or not. But it's it's on that foundation of of reliable transfer with better better loss handling. Fantastic. And uh, something I was kind of curious here is everything running over TLS is it always an encrypted encrypted transport. Everywhere that we use it, yeah, you can do null encryption, and you shouldn't. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I mean, one yeah. of the things with with HTTP three is we're really trying to improve privacy on the internet. The IETF has spent a lot of time working on doing advanced HTTP3, advanced HTTP3 features, such as connection migration, and a way that the users cannot be tracked as they go you know, from their Wi-Fi to their cellular, right? And you can have that connection persist, but making sure that that kind of intermediates can't, can't follow you across the internet, that they can't spy on you and, and look at what you're browsing. So there's been a lot of thought put into the security, making sure that people's data is safe, which I think is, again, really fantastic. Yeah, plus one to that. That's very, very cool. Excellent. So moving on a little bit, is that how did you roll this out, Google? Was there there's clearly benefits we've heard, but was there any challenges <laughs> you bumped into? So I mean, the first thing is when we started on this, we had no idea if when we roll out HP3, we were going to I, I, I want to say break the internet. Obviously we wouldn't have broken the internet, but <laughs> what we didn't know is if we, when we rolled this out, um, you know, internet, you know, ISPs and, and middle boxes and whatnot have some amount of capacity for for processing TCP. And they have something about processing UDP. You know, you, they have to do UDP because you, you do DNS lookups and you know video video streaming and whatnot. But we didn't know if the amount of UDP hardware processing would be overwhelmed. Like we'd start rolling out and then we'd hit a point where we were hitting packet loss because we were overwhelming ISPs and we had to back off. So the entire project was actually a big gamble from day one. And we had to roll it out really, really, really slowly and carefully. Um, to make sure that the ISPs weren't, you know, caught unawares, 
that we didn't we didn't slow down anything. And as it turns out, you know, we, we started out literally just the developers on our team say, you know, with a hard-coded flag saying use HTTP3. So all of Google servers supported it, but you only use it if you opted in. You know, so it's just us and the team. And then we we sent out plea emails to everyone we worked with saying, <laughs> please run the you know Chrome with this custom flag. <laughs> nice. So it's not just us. Right. And and making sure again, there's there's weird kind of pathological quarter cases on the internet, and we wanted to be the ones to find them, not our users. Mm. And then, you know, when that worked out well, we rolled it out to uh, Chrome Canary, which is, again, people who have opted into getting the latest and greatest with the understanding it may not work well. Right? Yeah. So, so they know what they're getting into. They, they, they want the best experience, and they're, they're willing to take the risk. If it doesn't work, they can fail at a regular Chrome. So these, again, are the power users who, who signed in onto this. So we rolled it out to them. Again, we had to do these A-B experiments where, where you say, this group is assigned to TCP, this group is assigned to HTTP3. Mm. And again, you can't compare the latency of TCP to Quick. Because then what's happened is you're, the people using HTTP3, we had to make sure, we knew the internet wouldn't all support UDP 443. So you yep. have to make sure that you're measuring the entire group of people assigned to it. And if their ISP or their corporation blocks that port, they mm -hmm. fail over to TCP, you have to measure that, right? That adds latency for them. So you have to make sure that not only is HTTP3 faster than TCP, but in aggregate, even if you're trying H3 and failing over that, you know, because that's going to happen for some percentage, that it's still a net win kind of overall, even oh, with that latency. Yeah, yeah. that, that cool. So yeah, we rolled it out. And, and again, like as we rolled out wider and wider, we found some interesting corner cases. Like there was one uh, specific airline where <laughs> it, we generally said if, if UDP 443 is blocked, Right, you send your packet, your handshake fails, you fail over to TCP, easy peasy. It turns out that some some ISPs wouldn't block the handshake. They'd say, yeah, you're allowed to send maybe uh, 100 packets and then we're gonna black hole you, right? right? So we do the handshake, we say, great, quick works, we're gonna use it, it's faster. And then it stops working midway through. So we had to add more and more sophisticated, we call it black hole detection. And, and <laughs> But you can't do something naive and say like, oh, if H3 doesn't work, always fail over because then someone closes their laptop, right? It shuts down your networking card first it looks like that doesn't work and that everyone always use would always use TCP. So trying to find the right balance where we weren't too aggressive about failing over, but we also were aggressive enough that no one <laughs> lost their internet connection. It, it turned out to be a challenge. And again, we we have great developers who are super responsive and you know lots of, of trace logging and Chrome, you know, error diagnostics and whatnot to make sure that that we were doing well by our users while improving the internet for everyone. Fantastic, fantastic. And I'm guessing like some problems are sort of Google problems. I'm doing air quotes for the listeners. Uh, and some problems would be problems that folks might see when implementing it themselves. So say someone is adopting Envoy, maybe within one of the you know, source <coughs> gateways out there. Would they bump into any of these problems that Google saw? So, so again, the hope is not. So what we're doing is we're implementing the similar black hole detection in Envoy that we did. And we, we actually have the same development team working on it. So these are people nice. who've, who've been doing this for five years, who know all the weird pathological quarter cases on the internet. And this is why I'm so excited to have kind of an open source HTTP3 client and server mm. stack is when we did HTTP2, HTTP2 is, is pretty simple. You just slap a mux and demux on, <laughs> on HTTP11 and a different framework and you're good to go. Like it's a great computer science, you know, homework project. <laughs> HTTP3 is a whole different kettle of fish, right? It's super complex, you know, congestion control. It's super complicated crypto. It's really easy to get crypto wrong with a zero mm. round trip handshake and, and latch credentials. And there were, there, there's like, literally I launched this I don't understand the details of all the, the crypto, like that is offloaded to, to Google's crypto experts. So um, with HTTP3, again, like your average developer can't implement it. And that's actually why Google open sourced our implementation. And now there's there's a bunch of open source implementations by by different companies that are, that, that again, 
and like have the the congestion control experts and have the crypto experts to do it right and then to share it so that people who don't have that expertise can still get all the benefits right and so in having the envoy stack right it's not just about which is important it's also about those failover mechanisms about getting yeah. the timing correct and the black hole detection correct so that it all works well on the internet and so our goal is to make sure that it's it's just plug in drop in usable by everyone that's awesome. And one thing I definitely learned from my software development days, never do your own crypto and build upon the success <laughs> of other folks, right? I think that's the, the two exactly. things I, I definitely learned. I was kind of curious, how easy will it be for folks to adopt? Say they've got an Envoy config already. How easy, once they upgrade their Envoy to a HTTP3 supporting version of Envoy, how easy is it going to be for them to A, implement, I guess, HTTP3 support mm-hmm. with the config? And then B, I'm guessing we still have to have the fallback mechanism. So we're still going to have to have TCP yeah, yeah. listener, that kind of thing, right? So if you're in your own, there's two ways to do it. You can do explicit HTTP3, or you can do, as you say, this kind of failover. We, we call it auto auto config. So if you're in your own data center, you know UDP 443 works. You know you're not blocked. You're on your own hardware. You can just hard configure HTTP3. And that's, that's totally fine. And so there's documentation on the Envoy website on how to do both of these, by the way. And then for internet-facing clients, you know, if you're, you're Google and trawling the web, or you're running Envoy Mobile and you have an Envoy client that's that's you know talking to servers, there's just an auto config. And the auto config, you configure, you know, your just one thing. You say, I want to do, you know, have Envoy pick the right protocol. Here is my HTTP3 config, right, with my TLS credentials. And then Envoy will try to do HTTP3. And if it doesn't work, as said, it uses these mechanisms, fails over to TLS. And then with mm-hmm. TLS, it does ALPN to negotiate yeah. HTTP1 or HTTP2. So it it literally just picks the best available protocol and does it automatically. That was the goal. So so one config, you can literally copy paste from the example configs and you're good to go. Awesome. That's awesome. Do you think folks are going to bump into any challenges if they're using a cloud vendor? For example, I mean, I've been working with Ambassador Edge Stack and Emissary Ingress and even Envoy itself. I've had some challenges sometimes various clouds in the way they expose their different versions of their load balancers, shall we say. And I won't pick on any cloud vendors in particular, but do you think there's going to be any problems for folks as they're changing their, their stack now to support HTTP3? Is there going to be any weird sort of, you've hinted at CDNs already being a bit of a challenge. Is there going to be any strange things with load balancers, do you think? I would hope not. I mean, the, the load balancing, like, it's kind of like any other configuration option, as long as you have your kind of user interface pretty clean. You know, you could have like a ticky box for use HTTP3 instead of a bunch of ugly YAML. I would think it would be pretty straightforward. But again, if there's problems, you know, we, we all live on Slack and there's you know, there's the normal Slack dev, but there's also a channel specifically for for UDP help that I encourage people to to go poke at if you have very questions. Cool. Very cool, very cool. Sort of wrapping up, I guess. Now, I'm curious. I've been sort of thinking about HTTP a lot from user-facing websites. Is there an advantage to running it internal? Because obviously, loads of folks are loving service mesh at the moment. Istio, take your pick. As many out there, Envoy obviously will have you know be baked into those service meshes that use Istio or Envoy. Is there advantages? internally for running HTTP3? And maybe should you start there first and then expose it publicly? So the advantage, it, it really depends on, on where you're running. But but yes, there, there are advantages to running it internally because, you know, again, if there's loss, you recover from that faster. So at Google, we have our own, you know, quality of service tagging. And so our, our high quality traffic AF4 basically gets zero packet loss, right? There's there's not huge wins there. But if you're AF3, there is some amount of loss. So, so there are advantages. And if you're running on a cloud platform, generally you're not at the, the super high priority service just because, you know, you need to have your control traffic there. So there can be advantages there. And then that zero round trip handshake again, you know, if you don't have a pre-established connection, you can have your connection, you know, you don't have to worry about that handshake latency. So it, it really does help with with cold start. So so there can be advantages there. And then again, you know, on the open internet, we know there's packet loss and we know there's these this old hardware and old kernels. So I, and again, there may be older kernels where you're running, especially if you don't kind of control your own platform from the ground up. So so yeah, I'd say there's definitely advantages internally and externally. 
Awesome. And do you think it's good to perhaps experiment internally and then move externally? So where, where would you start? If folks are, you know, embracing HTTP3, I'm guessing they're going to see the most advantages at public facing. Yeah, yeah. I think I think doing it, I mean, yeah, there's there's pros and cons. I think you get uh, bigger, bigger wins doing it externally, but you do have, uh, it's easier to debug things when you have access Good to point. all the logs and you can trace everything. So it kind of depends on on if you're you're being, it, it, you know, if you're not familiar with the technology, it may be worth rolling out internally just so you get familiar with it before it's out on the internet. Debugging clients is harder, you know, internet clients. Yeah, super interesting, super interesting. So breaking the fourth wall for a moment, is there anything you think I should have asked you that I haven't? Not that I can think of. No, I mean, again, I think most of this is, is out there. I think there's a lot of exciting technologies. There's a lot of places to, to read about it on the internet, but but I do think that um, it's always hard to get started. So I, I love things like this that that get people in touch with like, okay, you know, I'm using Envoy. Is it safe? Is it ready? You know, where do I go for help? We really do encourage people on the Slack channel is Envoy UDP Quick Dev if you have questions and the Google Quick team, you know, as well as, as other Envoy folks are, are hanging out there, happy to help out. Fantastic. That's actually been my final question. This was going to ask, where should we contact you? But you already done that perfectly. <laughs> um, awesome. It's been amazing. I've learned so much. We've covered so many things in, in like the well, chatting for 20, 25 minutes. I'll link everything you mentioned in the show notes as well. But thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Have a great one.